Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast, where you can get the latest results, fantasy picks, and news every week in the NASCAR racing world. We just got one more spot left to fill, so let's give it to our host. Here he is, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well here after a crazy weekend for the NASCAR world and for myself because I just got back from that said race. It was a lot of fun. I'll make sure to share my experience with you guys in today's episode. And we will also talk about the craziness that happened in both the Xfinity Series as well as the Cup Series. And believe me, there's a lot of stuff from a driver making their debut in the Xfinity Series all the way to one of the most controversial moments here in the 2022 season. And that's saying a lot. We've had a lot of controversial moments this year, but this one is definitely near the top, and we'll talk about it in a bit. But before we go any further, probably the biggest bit of news has just been announced for the 2023 season, and it involves the 2004 champion. Now, a lot of people were wondering what was going to happen to Kurt Busch. Was he going to be returning for another year? Was his season over? Was he going to return before the 2022 season ended? Well, he just made the announcement at his home track, and unfortunately for all the Kurt Busch fans, he will not be returning to full-time racing here in the Cup Series. It's been a long career for Kurt Busch. He was one of the last drivers to race against Dale Earnhardt. Isn't that crazy? After this season, there will not be one driver who had the privilege to race against the Intimidator. It has been that long. It's just unbelievable to think about. Kurt Busch was the last one. And unfortunately, he will not be racing anymore here in the Cup Series full time. I want to emphasize that because he did not say he officially retired. So he might do some one-off races here and there, maybe even a part-time schedule. Who knows? We haven't really seen a team do a part-time schedule for a very, very long time, especially since they introduced the charter. So if he's able to do that, that would be very interesting, something new to the charter system. But unfortunately, Kurt Busch will no longer be racing full-time. And a lot of people are definitely pointing out to the safety issues regarding the next-gen car and the frustration that has because a lot of people right now feel like they just lost a champion to this new car. Really, I I think Kurt Busch was planning to run two years with this team, minimum. And now this concussion has really changed everything. The doctors basically said, yeah, you probably don't want to continue racing. And that's a damn shame for that to happen. Now, Kurt Busch was obviously very emotional about this. This is what's definitely bothering him. And, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you've been racing in a series for this many years and then all of a sudden you got to hang it up, it's going to be heartbreaking for whoever. Luckily, I was able to talk to Kurt Busch after the incident. I got to meet quite a few drivers. Like I said, we'll talk about all that here um, later. But... Mechanical Manny and I, if you guys do not know, Mechanical Manny is someone that has been a part of the show for a long time, giving me a lot of my input. It's my dad, but I like to call him Mechanical Manny because that's what most people know him who's been listening to the show for a very long time. Anyways, on Saturday, we were able to meet Kurt Busch. He was just walking by and saw a few fans, uh, made sure to shake their hands, get some autographs going, take some photos, you know, the good stuff. And we were able to meet him like right there in the corner and we shook his hand and we want to let him know it was like Kurt Busch, you know, out of all the years of racing all the way from the very beginning, we started going to NASCAR races back in 2006. And I think that was like the time when people dislike Kurt Busch the most. And we told him one thing he never did 
was he never ignored the fans or never tried to get away from the fans. He was always one of the last drivers there signing autographs, taking photos. Even when driver introductions was getting ready to start, he was still at his hauler. It was so crazy. So that just proves how great of a guy he really is. And you know what? For us to be able to tell him that was really great because you can see he actually – it made him feel really good. Like we saw the smile just get bigger and bigger as we told him because we meant every single word. So definitely a heartbreaker to see him go. And we all know why he's doing it. He's doing it for his safety and that's the most important thing when it comes to being a driver. Tyler Reddick will be stepping in into the number 45 machine after the 2022 season ends. As you guys are well aware, he was bought out of his contract from Richard Childress Racing. So he'll get to join 2311 a lot sooner than anticipated. While Kurt Busch will be ending his full-time Cup Series career with one championship in 2004, 34 victories, one Daytona 500, and 339 top 10s out of 776 races here in the Cup Series. I wanted to talk about that real quickly because I know that that was definitely the most important news. But without further ado, let's dive into this weekend. There's a lot of takeaways from both the races from the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. Let's first start off with the first race that happened here this weekend. Let's look at the final results for the 30th race of the 2022 season, the Elsco Uniforms 302 here in the Xfinity Series. Alrighty, so let's look at a few notes before we dive into the final results. We had a total of 38 cars enter into the race, meaning no driver had to miss out, so everyone was able to run in the main event. We had a total of three cautions for 15 laps, two of them being a stage conclusion, last one being a questionable one. We'll talk about that in a bit. And 14 lead changes amongst nine different drivers. In the end, though, the winner of this race, and honestly the most dominant team overall, was the number eight of Josh Berry getting a big victory here in the round of eight, locking himself into the championship four. He is your winner here of the 30th race here in the 2022 season. Finishing second, we had the number nine of Noah Gregson. Finishing third was the number seven of Justin Allgaier. Finishing fourth, we had the number 54 of Ty Gibbs. Finishing fifth was the number 18 of Trevor Bain. Finishing sixth, we had the number 21 of Austin Hill, the top finishing rookie, followed by Sam Mayer in the number one and seventh. Finishing eighth was the number 11 of Daniel Hemrick. Ninth, the number 19 of Brandon Jones. And then rounding out the top 10, the number 23 of Anthony Alfredo. So noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10 that we should mention. Finishing in the 11th spot was the number 10 of Landon Castle. Finishing 13th, we had the 07 of Haley Deegan with a great inaugural debut here in the Xfinity Series. Finishing 16th was the number 26 of John Hunter Nemechek. We had Raha Karuth in the number 44, able to get a top 20 for his team. AJ Allmendinger unfortunately got a flat tire there near the end of the race, and he is credited with the 22nd position. Then moving down the roster, you got Bailey Curry in the number 4, finishing 33rd. Josh Williams in the number 36, finishing 34th. Sheldon Creed unfortunately had some engine issues in this race, and he was out by lap number 52, finishing 37th. And then rounding out the field with problems with steering issues on lap number 32, you got the number 39 of Ryan Sieg, finishing 38th overall here in this race. And that's your final results here for the Alsco Uniforms 302 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. All right, so definitely some big stories and takeaways coming out of this race. I think the first one we should talk about is the lack of cautions in this race. You know, we were honestly talking about this in the stands during the race while it was going on. And definitely one thing to really consider here is at these mile and a half tracks, these Xfinity Series teams have it figured out. 
None of them are slipping and sliding. Nobody's really wrecking anymore down here in the Xfinity Series. These guys are truly some of the best of the best performing. And it just shows you how much talent is down here in this series. It also tells us that... The Xfinity Series car is not that aggressive here at the mile and a half tracks, meaning these cars are not being absolutely pushed to the point where they're slipping and sliding. Nobody can barely handle these cars. They, they seem to be in a more comfortable sense for drivers to be able to maneuver these cars around the racetrack because I didn't see hardly anyone slip and slide in this race except for one, and that was Brandon Jones, where he got slightly loose in turns one and two, and apparently that warranted a caution. That was absolutely crazy. I think NASCAR was just praying for a caution. They were like, please, please give us an excuse. Last week, they did the same thing at the Charlotte Roval. They got a pretty good excuse with a sign on the racetrack. This one, a car just got loose. I, there's not, there's really nothing else to say. So, uh, really bad call on NASCAR's part to throw a caution. I mean, it's not the worst call in the world. But, man, whenever I see a car get slightly sideways and they throw a caution, that's always just a, oh, man. Come on, NASCAR. But you know what? It's stacked up the field and provide a little bit more of an exciting race. Now let's talk about the winner of this race. Junior Motorsports number 8, Josh Berry. A driver who was only running part-time last year and was able to impress Dale Jr. and the whole organization. And he's able to get a full-time ride. Now he's running for a championship here in the 2022 season. Let me just say, first off that Dale Jr. has an act for finding talent down here in this series. It is unbelievable some of the drivers he is able to scope out and find to be able to race his cars. And just a phenomenal performance here. I mean, look at They finished 1, 2, 3, and 7th. And Sam Mayer was very decent in this race. I wouldn't say he was a contender for the victory, but he hung around in that position for the most part. So it was a great performance by this entire organization. But you, you can't say enough about Dale Jr. finding this talent. I mean, he'll either pick talent that was racing in the Cup Series, didn't quite make it, so they moved down, or drivers who just really don't have an opportunity at all to come up into the series. He will be willing to put his money where his mouth is and get him an opportunity to ride. And Josh Berry was one of them. And look at this. He's running for a championship in the 2022 season. How awesome is that? Held his ground. At one point, he even smacked the wall in the race, and he was still able to wheel that car around and hold off some of the strongest drivers on the racetrack, one being Noah Gregson, who was the hometown favorite. That was really cool to see. Uh, as a fan, just seeing every single time Noah Gregson taking the lead, everyone just cheering, going nuts. It just shows you... How much of a good image Noah Gregson has over there at Las Vegas. You know, the fans keep track of him. Everyone knows that he came from that racetrack. So a lot of people are big fans of this up-and-coming driver. So I bet they're really excited that he's going to be driving full-time next year in the Cup Series. He put on one hell of a show. Unfortunate for him, just not able to get the victory. He was definitely the driver to beat. And he was trying to get around some of the drivers. He unfortunately had like a bad restart and also a slower pit time at one point and just put him a little bit back. I'd say if he had 10 more laps or a late race caution, he would have been able to win this race no problem. But once again, Noah Gregson comes up just a little bit short at his home track. There will be one day where he winds up victorious. Hopefully it's in the Cup Series because, man, this dude knows how to get around this racetrack. Justin Allgaier, a fairly decent run. Didn't lead any laps in this race, but definitely a top five runner from beginning to end. He had himself a really good performance all the way around. At one point, it looked like he was going to be the driver to sneak away with the victory. Unfortunately, 
For him, his junior motorsports teammates were just a little bit stronger, still great performance. Next up, we got the Toyotas, who were just slightly behind junior motorsports as far as performance went. Ty Gibbs had a good uh, car at one point. I mean, he was victorious here earlier in the season, so we knew he was going to be a good factor in this race. Just there at the end, he just did not have quite the same speed as those guys. And Trevor Bain in the number 18. I I hope he can get a victory here really soon. Maybe he's going to be able to do it at Homestead, but he, he's done pretty good in this number 18 machine. I'm fairly surprised on how well he's been able to run here with Joe Gibbs Racing. I, I I know he was able to get a victory in the Daytona 500, and I know he got a couple victories with uh, Roush Racing when they were down the Xfinity Series, but he really didn't do that much. Now he's round here in the Xfinity Series running part-time, and he's had some really good cars. So for him to get another solid finish here, a top five, I, I just hope he gets another opportunity because he, he definitely shows that he wants to keep racing here in NASCAR's top three divisions. And with a top five of that number 18 car, a car that's been struggling at some races, doing fairly decent at others, uh, I, I say that was a really good run for him. Austin Hill in the number 21, I, I, he kind of fell off there near the end, but still a really strong performance. He still scored a lot of points, 47 points to be exact. Sam Mayer, we talked about him a little bit earlier, not really a factor for the victory, just uh, mostly a top seven car at best. And then you had Brandon Jones in the number 19, who we just talked about a little bit earlier. He had he got slightly loose, and it threw out a caution. He, he did decent. I'd say he was at the same level as Trevor Bain. There near the end, though, there was too many cars for him to pass. And unfortunately, he was just not able to finish near the same spot as his performance was earlier in the race. And then A.J. Allmendinger, the worst performing driver here in the playoffs, as he finishes 22nd in this race. I mean, hey, it is what it is for the situation. It wasn't really his fault. He had a, himself a pretty decent car. I'd say around the same area as Sam Mayer and Daniel Hemrick. He was he was kind of a top 10, top 7 car. Unfortunately, he has that tire goes down, and you, you can't have a tire go down during a green flag run. You're going to lose multiple laps, and it's going to take you out of any chance to get a great finish, and that's what happened to A.J. Allmendinger. So we'll see how he's able to do here in these last two races in the round of eight. I feel like his best shot is going to be Martinsville. Something just tells me that that's where he's going to perform really well here in the round of eight. So we'll see what happens. But right now, A.J. Allmendinger is on the outside looking in. I would say if you want to watch the highlights, you can. There really wasn't that much excitement going on. Maybe near the end when you saw the Junior Motorsports really just handling the racetrack there for the final few laps, seeing who was going to be able to wind up up front. But the biggest driver I want to make a big shout-out for, it's not even a driver in the playoffs. In fact, they made their debut. Haley Deegan in the 0-7. Haley Deegan had herself a hell of a race. I mean, she ran consistently in that 15th, 14th position. It was very impressive. She wasn't making any mistakes, not making any enemies, just riding that car smoothly. And honestly, that's exactly what she needed to show in her debut. Didn't need to do anything too flashy. Also didn't need to do anything too risque, per se. And she did exactly what she needed to do. She needed to get a a 13th place finish. She needed to get the car back onto pit road at the end of the race all in one piece. And she even finished on the lead lap as well. Now, I know a lot of people have been kind of giving her a little bit of grief here for the truck series this year. It's been a real, real rough uh, season for her in that number one machine. But you know what? Maybe it just wasn't her type of car. I mean, these cars are obviously completely different. One's a car and the other one's a truck. So maybe this is a good telltale sign that she's going to be running really well if she's able to make a move up into the Xfinity Series. Granted, it's only been one race. 
But still, I was very impressed with it, and I'm sure a lot of other people are. And just just a great job for her. She she really put it on her resume. Hey, I can get, take care of your cars, and you can expect a really solid finish out of me. So great job for Haley Deegan. Also great run for some other drivers who finished there near the front. Anthony Alfredo in the 10th spot. Anthony Alfredo was one of the coolest guys to meet at Las Vegas. I, I was talking to him. It was funny because he was carrying a liquid death. And if you don't know what liquid death is, it is the best marketing for water I have ever seen. They they make their cans look like beer. They have everything like to the most extreme on the on the can. And it's just water. That's all it is. He was carrying one around and everyone's like, is that beer? And he's like, no, it's liquid death. And I immediately uh, told him, I was like, oh my gosh, my everybody at my office drinks those things. We go through like six packs a week. And he looked at me and he's like, you're the guy who tweeted that to me. I remember that. You, you guys love this and I love it too. And that was the coolest thing ever. How does a driver that you've never met in person know who you are beforehand? That was that, that was the greatest thing ever. I was just like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> just, a, just, like a, just like, oh man, it was just so fun. Look, I'm, I'm having a tough time putting words together just even thinking about it. But Anthony Alfredo was awesome to meet as well as some other drivers here. Kyle Weatherman comes up to mind. I was able to just ask him, you know, man, how does it feel to have Dale Jr. just uh, drop your name on his podcast saying he wants to give you an opportunity? And just, it almost looked like a little kid answering that. He was just like, man, that was the coolest thing ever. I'm so happy to hear that that made me so happy and I'm like that's cool that is so cool to hear a driver uh, sound that excited hearing something like that this dude is a professional racer and for him to get so excited like a little kid when uh when one of his idols uh, mentions him on a podcast that that's really cool so Kyle Weatherman was a great guy to me there's just a lot of cool people here in the Xfinity series David Starr was a really cool one Brandon Jones uh, made a lot of people happy just being able to sign Trevor Bain too Trevor Bain was with his family and he and he said I'll be right back guys and he went and signed for people so a lot of friendly people here in the Xfinity series I say if you ever get an opportunity to to meet anyone uh, here in NASCAR. Definitely start with the X-Fanity Series. These guys are young, up-and-coming drivers. They're starting to get a little used to the fame, but they're not letting it get too far into their heads. They are still very humble, and they're still willing to talk to all their fans. So that was really fun. Got to meet quite a few of them. But definitely the top three, in my personal opinion, as far as friendliness went, was Anthony Alfredo, Kyle Weatherman, and David Starr. Now let's look at the points here for the X-Fanity Series, as right now we got Josh Berry, the only one locked in. Noah Gregson sits comfortably 44 points above the cut line. Then you got Ty Gibbs at 3,090 points, which means he is 25 points above the cut line. In the fourth spot is Justin Allgaier, who sits 15 points above the cut line. And the rest of these drivers are sitting below, as you have Austin Hill sitting 15 points behind. A.J. Allmendinger in the number 16 is 16 points behind. Then you got Brandon Jones in the number 19, 27. And then round out the field in round 8 is Sam Mayer. He is 36 points behind the cut line. Needs a big race here at Homestead and Martinsville. Now let's move on to the big race. The one that everyone is talking about. It is time now to dive into the final results for the 33rd race here of the 2022 season. This is the final results for the South Point 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Alrighty, so let's look at a few notes before we dive into the final results. We had a total of 36 cars enter into the race, just the charter cars. Once again, it looks like it's going to be like that for the rest of the mile and a half. And we had eight cautions for 42 laps. So good chunk of cautions here in a mile and a half racetrack. And 
18 lead changes amongst 11 different drivers. Definitely a lot of drivers here running up front, duking it out for the lead. In the end, though, it was a driver who's gotten multiple victories already here this year. He locks himself into the championship four, and he is going to show that at least Fords are going to have at least one driver running for a championship, and that was the number 22 of Joey Logano, finishing second in both the stages, but he was able to finish first in the most important stage, which was the last one. After leading 32 laps, he is your winner here in the South Point 400 at Las Vegas. Finishing second was the number one of Ross Chastain, and the third spot was the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing fourth was the number 14 of Chase Briscoe. Finishing fifth, we had the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. And the sixth spot was the number eight of Tyler Reddick, and seventh was the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Eighth place, we had the number 43 of Eric Jones. Ninth and number 16 of AJ Allmendinger. Good run for him. And then rounding out the top 10, we had the number three of Austin Dillon. Finishing 11th was the number 48 of Noah Gregson. Finishing 12th was the number four of Kevin Harvick. And the 13th spot, we had the number 24 of William Byron. Justin Haley is able to finish 14th. Finishing 15th was the number 17 of Chris Buescher. 16th, the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. 17th spot goes to the number 6 of Brad Keselowski. 18th, the number 10 of Eric Amarola. 19th, the number 34 of Michael McDowell. And rounding out the top 20, we have the number 41 of Cole Custer. Some eligible drivers have finished outside the top 20 that we need to mention. And the 21st spot was Chase Elliott in the number 9. Not a good run for the number 9 team. Finishing 28th, we have the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. He unfortunately got some tire issues there near the end of the race. Austin Cedric in the number 29 broke a toe link there in the middle of the race. He finishes 8 laps down. And then down here at the very bottom, you got Christopher Bell caught up in an accident on lap number 94. That involved him, Kyle Larson, and the number 45 of Bubba Wallace. They'll be credited with the 34th, 35th, and 36th position. And that is your final results here for the South Point 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So overall in this race, we did have a lot of fun as far as the battles up front went. I know passing was a little bit tough, but hopefully it was exciting for you guys on TV. I'm just going to say what I saw at the racetrack. There was a lot of times where you had the leader all the way to 8th place, almost nose to tail for the most part of the stages. It, it was really cool to see that, and nobody was really able to pull away that far. I mean, sure, you had Ross Chastain at one point leading about 68 laps in total, and uh, he was definitely one of the tougher drivers to beat, but he never truly pulled away and was like, oh yeah, that's the guy who's going to dominate the race. I mean, you had Daniel Suarez at one point looking really good. Ryan Blaney looked really good in this race. Austin Sendrick, the rookie. Tyler Reddick. I mean, everybody had their point in the sun here at Las Vegas, and that was really, really cool to see. I mean, shoot, you had all but maybe two or three playoff drivers have their moment here in this race. You had Joey Logano obviously get the victory, which locks him into the final four. Uh, just shows how Joey Logano just does really well here in this playoff format. He's always been a competitor, uh, strong competitor, I should uh, clarify. Every single time here in the round of 12, 8, final four, you, you, you just can't count him out. Sometimes you feel like you want to count him out, and then all of a sudden he just comes out of left field, and then bam, gets a victory at a big racetrack, which was here. So great run by Joey Logano. Ross Chastain, I mean, he led the most laps here in this race. He, he looked like he was going to be able to get that victory. Some of that track house racing, a lot of people have been kind of talking them a little bit down, just being like, you know, they're not like what they were in the spring, but they showed once again, hey, they are front competitors. Will not be surprised if you see Ross Chastain once again doing really well at Homestead, which is another mile and a half race. He was able to have himself a good showing. And then Chase Briscoe in the second half. My goodness. What a 
what a huge adjustment for that number 14 team. If you watch the first two stages, they were just trying to stay on the lead lap. It was bad for that 14 team, but they never gave up. That's the important thing. They never gave up, and they almost were get able to get the victory here in this race. It was absolutely crazy. Finishing fourth, just a great performance by that 14 team. Way to turn it around when it mattered the most. They are showing everyone that, hey, don't count us out. Uh, of course, they have an uphill battle, but you know what? If they're able to make it to the Final Four, guess where Chase Briscoe's only victory is this year? It was at Phoenix. So how big would that be if Chase Briscoe is able to do the unthinkable and win the championship this year? Of course, that is a big uphill battle for that team. But, I mean, they're still in the mix. Top five finish here at Vegas. That's pretty damn good. Denny Hamlin was very consistent here. Consistency will get you uh, pretty far here in the playoffs. Right now, he just needs a little bit more. He was definitely a driver who could run between 5th and 7th, but I think we needed him more in the 3rd or 2nd spot throughout the race, and it just wasn't that for Denny Hamlin. I was very surprised there that out of all the Toyotas, he was really the one who wasn't a factor at one point to win the race. Sure, he led a couple laps, but there was always one car faster than him. And I wouldn't expect that out of him to be only like the 3rd or 4th best car out of the Toyota camp. With people like Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell at one point being some of the stronger people in this race. So still, he, he was still able to get a top five. I mean, not all the playoff drivers can say that. So still a good finish for him. But stages need to be a little bit stronger if he's able to advance on. William Byron in the 24. Man, just a bad pit strategy there at the end. They said they struggled with the car the entire race. Which is very weird that for them to have such a good run in practice and qualifying. Then to be at best uh, a 7th place, 8th place car. That was really weird to see. And then they do not go down pit road when people like Joey Logano did. And that's how they were able to get the victory. Then they go on right after trying to hopefully recover some of those positions. Then they finish 13th. It just wasn't a good call. They still got some more upcoming tracks that are good for them. But they needed also a really good finish here at Las Vegas if they're not able to get the victory and they weren't able to do that so they're still on the outside looking in the biggest shocker out of all these playoff drivers I talked about was the number nine of Chase Elliott these guys did not deliver here this weekend a lot of people expect them oh yeah they're going to be right up there in that mix leading a few laps here and there they never did that and that was very very shocking to see Chase Elliott should have been one of the top performers for the Henrik camp and he is probably his average running position throughout the entire time was 19th. That is not championship caliber. Now, I know I said it as far as fantasy picks go, he's had some bad luck in the first race of each round. This isn't the same thing. This isn't just bad luck. Oh, got caught up in a wreck. Oh, uh, tire went down, hit the wall. They they just did not perform. So we'll have to see what happens here at Homestead as well as Martinsville. Thank goodness for that points gap that he was able to score during the regular season as well as even during the playoffs with that Talladega victory. But man, oh man, ooh, just not a good performance by the number nine machine here this weekend. A lot of Chase Elliott fans got to be worried. Ryan Blaney, it's unfortunate for his situation, got loose around the corner. I think he had a tire go down. I mean, it was the only tire incident that really happened. So good job for a good year to really step up their game with this new tire compound it's been a rough season for them so for them to have kind of a reliable race is is kind of a um a breath of fresh air so thank goodness for that but ryan blaney unfortunately is one of the only people who suffer with any tire incidents 
and it cost him from finishing up front. He led 39 laps. He won a stage, and he only gets a 28th place finish. So not a good finish for him, but the biggest story is coming from these bottom three drivers here, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, and Bubba Wallace. If you watch the race, you saw that Kyle Larson was trying to move up through the field. Now, Bubba Wallace had a stage win, so Bubba had a really good car. And then on lap number 93, going up turns three and four, Larson gets loose, runs up the racetrack, doesn't let up, and Bubba Wallace hits the wall. Now, at this point, a lot of people are just like, man, Kyle Larson, come on, man. You just ran up Bubba Wallace, who's one of the strongest cars in this race. Just put him in the wall, and now he has a damaged race car. He's not going to be nearly as fast. And then half a second later, Bubba Wallace does the unthinkable, and hunts Kyle Larson down like a dog going down the front straightaway and sh- turns him straight right back into traffic, into the wall, collecting a playoff driver, Christopher Bell. After this incident happens, Bubba Wallace climbs out of his car, goes over to Kyle Larson, starts pushing him. Super aggressive. Kyle Larson doesn't want anything to do with it. Bubba Wallace keeps pushing him into the car. It was unbelievable. He storms off, uh, running down pit, walking down pit road. AMR safety team's trying to let him know, go down to the uh, hospital to for the mandated uh, medical center, and he starts pushing at them. It was the most unbelievable, shocking thing we have seen this season. Now, there's a lot of people talking about this. Believe me, a lot of people are pissed off about Bubba Wallace uh, and his actions, which rightfully so. I, I, I'd say he's he should be frustrated 100% for having his car run that well and then you got someone running, gets loose and puts you in the wall. I'd be pissed too if I was Bubba Wallace. But the way he handled it was so uncalled for and so dangerous, especially when we have a car that he has said himself, he says, man, I get hurt every single time I'm going into the wall. Put someone into the wall at that kind of speed is unacceptable. And then... After you get your revenge, you start pushing him in front of everyone and just straight up bullying someone who doesn't want anything to do with it. Larson didn't want anything to do with that fight. And he, well, I wouldn't say a fight, but anything with that tussle. And Bubba Wallace just kept going at him, kept going at him. And it was just unbelievable. It, it was very unbelievable. And NASCAR should definitely take actions for this. A lot of people are saying suspension. I, I don't say that this would be the same case. I know a lot of people are comparing it to Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth. Uh, that wasn't the same case. That was a situation that went off for weeks on it, for a couple of weeks, and then Matt Kenseth, multiple laps down, decides to take out Joey Logano as the leader. That's a completely different situation. If I had to compare this to anything, it would probably be more to the Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon situation. And even then, it's hard to compare it like that, where he shot him straight right into turns three and four, ending his championship hopes. This is kind of the same thing here as Bubba Wallace just uh, ended Kyle Larson's uh, owner's championship run as uh, Kyle Larson may be out of the playoffs as a driver. As an owner, however, he is still running that number five car for a championship, and Bubba Wallace just took took that away from him. I don't think a suspension should happen, but definitely a fine and a uh, big point deduction. I would almost say a full race would probably be uh, the appropriate penalty. I just don't think it should be a suspension. I know a lot of people are saying that, but the, as, as extreme as this incident was, I don't think it's that situation quite yet. Now, moving forward, how are fans going to look at Bubba Wallace after this incident? I think his reputation has been severely damaged from this. 
This is not something that the NASCAR brought into it. This is not something that media brought into it. This was Bubba Wallace and his own emotions. He blatantly took someone out. He clearly showed that he cannot control his anger and just really showed that he's a bully. There's no other way to put it. He looked like he was a bully in this. Even though he was kind of in the right to be mad, the way he took it, he just took it to a whole new level. And Kyle Larson, I, I hate to say it, no, he was not going to throw a punch. Imagine if Kyle Larson threw a punch. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that have been a crazy headline that the media would have had a ball with. Uh, Bubba Wallace, the only African-American driver, bullies and pushes around a driver who used the racial slur just two years back. Whew! <laughs> that would have been absolutely crazy. But you know, you know something? I can add a little bit extra to this that not many people are talking about. Bubba Wallace was being a dick this whole week, just avoiding fans. I I talked about how many people were being very nice and going to the fans and showing the fans that they cared. Bubba Wallace did not do that. During the red carpet walk, which every driver was going to be a part of, he literally walked off to the side on the grass to purposely avoid fans. He did that to avoid fans, and that really upset me. This was before the whole incident happened, before even races got started, when they're doing driver introductions. He was trying to avoid people, just acting like, I don't want to deal with people right now. I know who I am because he was kind of carrying himself highly. And it was just a bad, bad look. Ryan Blaney also did as well, and that was kind of shocking to me. I'm like, man, you two, why why, why won't you guys just give a little extra time to the fans? That's, that's crazy, especially when they marketed like that. Just... I don't know. Bubba Wallace lost a lot of fans, and I, I want to be a Bubba Wallace fan, but I cannot stand behind him with this one. And Larson's not 100% innocent, but he clearly did not want to be in part of the situation that Bubba Wallace was trying to start. And now Kyle Larson, unfortunately, is in a bad spot. And even Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell got taken out in this incident, and he is now on the outside looking in. He's in a must-win situation again. Now, he's been a checker or wrecker at this point, so we'll see how he does at Homestead and Martinsville. He was able to snag this shocking victory at the Charlotte Roval, but this puts him in a really rough spot, a spot that he had nothing to do with. Now, the driver I need to give a shout-out to before we wrap things up here with the round of eight points and overall this race is the number 18 of Kyle Busch. If you are a Kyle Busch fan, be, be proud of his performance. You, I, I feel so bad for him because you know Kyle Busch wanted this victory so bad for his brother. His brother makes that announcement, and you, you I can almost guarantee Kyle Busch was like, man, I want to get that victory. Because, yes, they've had their problems in the past, but you can tell they're still brothers. They still care about each other a lot. And this man spun out in the middle of the race, loses a tire, has basically everything happen to him, gets bumping and banging with multiple drivers comes back and still finishes third. If, if that doesn't show dedication and grit out of Kyle Busch's end, then I don't know what does. That was just a phenomenal run by Kyle Busch, and he should get a lot of credit for that. Just He was the most impressive driver. If he would have wound up in victory lane, I'm not a Kyle Busch fan. I, I've always booed him from the beginning, even when he was a rookie. But if he would have won that race, I would have given him the golf clap. I would have been like, that is respectful. Good job to you, Kyle Busch, putting on one hell of a performance there. That was very impressive out of you, and I, I kind of wish you would have got the victory there near the end. It was great to see Joey Logano and Ross Chastain race it out. Um, but man, just to see Kyle Busch just that much determination to try to get that victory, that was awesome to see. 
Overall, very fun race. Really enjoyable. If you can get past the situation that happened with Larson and Bubba Wallace, I'd say this was a really fun race. You had a great battle for the lead throughout the entire time, especially between Joey Logano and Ross Chastain at the end. A lot of drivers uh, really did impress us. Some drivers absolutely shocked us. And that's what you want out of a race. You want a lot of unpredictability. Drivers that I should give a quick shout out to that were really, really friendly uh, at the racetrack. One being Cody Ware in the number 51. Uh, If you guys have ever kept track of TikTok, you guys know the situation between me and Cody Ware. There was a few videos I posted that basically made fun of Cody Ware and he did not appreciate it. He let me know. I apologized to him. I felt really bad for that situation. And we were on good terms. I got to meet him beforehand, and I said I really do appreciate him and everything he does. I I don't want to be on his bad side, and hopefully he forgives me. And he said he said thank you. That means a lot. I'm just trying to have fun, man. Shook my hand. That was the coolest thing ever. I'm so happy that we were able to reach that level, and I really do appreciate that. Todd Gillen was also a really cool driver to meet. He was very friendly. And some drivers who are really high up there that went out of their way, Joey Logano, gosh, I know a lot of people don't like Joey Logano, but man, outside of the car, the dude is one of the friendliest drivers. He is such an awesome dude. I I can understand to boo him on the racetrack. I mean, on the racetrack, he's completely different. But outside the track, man, you can't find anyone cooler than that. Ross Chastain spending a lot of time with the fans. You can tell he really cares about the fans. Chase Briscoe, honestly, the nicest human being I've I've met in a very long time. Tyler Reddick, he's very cool. He's, He's spent a lot of time with the fans. And gosh, I could say multiple other ones. Christopher Busher. Uh, I accidentally called him Christopher Bell because I'm I'm trying to practice say Christopher more, and I still struggle with it. And he looked at me. He's like, "Come on, man, come on," in a joking way. And and that's kind of cool to see drivers that high up there still joking around with fans. That was really awesome. Daniel Suarez. I mean, no surprise. He's a cool driver. I mean, who would have guessed that? He's amazing. Uh, Corey LaJoy, I didn't get to meet Cody uh, Corey LaJoy, but I met a few fans of the podcast as well as TikTok and YouTube, and they told me, man, we got to meet Corey LaJoy. He's a hella cool driver, and I totally believe him. BJ McLeod was really, really cool, and you can also throw in Ty Dillon. I mean, just a lot of people really cool here. Um, I It would be easier to count drivers who were kind of dicks to the fans. <laughs> yeah, that would be easier to do than uh, to say drivers who were cool, so... A great experience overall for me and hopefully anyone who went down to Vegas or just races in general this year got the same feeling uh, meeting their favorite driver because, gosh, that's that's such an unbelievable experience. Let's look at the points before we wrap things up. We have Joey Logano. He locks himself into the Final Four. He'll be running for a championship. Ross Chastain, the number one machine, sits 18 points above the cut line with Chase Elliott right behind him, 17 points above. Then you got Denny Hamlin in the final spot, six points above the cut line. Then William Byron, he sits six points below, was able to recover a little bit, but he's still on the outside looking in. Chase Briscoe, great run for him, only nine points behind the cut line. Needs a couple more good finishes to be able to move on. Then you got Ryan Blaney, 11 points behind, and then Christopher Bell sits the furthest back in the eighth position. He is 23 points below the cut line. That will conclude the final results for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. A great battle up front here for the Fantasy League lineup here at NASCAR Field Fillers League at fantasygames.nascar.com. How about a three-way tie for the win? We had Thundergun 3, Chief Joe 
Coog, and Mechanical Manny 33 all scoring 218 points. They definitely were able to find the one of the strongest teams that you can get here in this race. Great job for them. You guys are all first place here with a three-way tie. Looks like they gave the upper edge to Thunder Gun. It could have been because he may have had a driver finish higher than the others. I don't know, but he still scored 218 as well as Chief Joe Coog and Mechanical Manny 33. So good job for you guys. And overall in the playoff standings, let's look at those real quick. It's still Turn Sheen with 1,500 points. Then you got Thunder Gun at 1,424. And then yours truly, Vanilla Wafers, at 1,393. Things are really starting to close up between all of us, so it's been a lot of fun seeing that overall battle from beginning to end. If you want to follow me on social media, you can do so at Twitter at TylerV33. I had a lot of you fans meet me down there at the racetrack. That was awesome. It's always great to meet you guys. And people even sent thank you messages, which I really did appreciate. I was like, wow, I, I should be thanking them, which I, I thank you guys so much for listening, watching my videos. It, it, it's been a blast for all these years we've done it. We haven't done it for that long. I think we only started in 2020, but man, just the friends I've made and the fans I've been able to meet, it's just been incredible. It's so cool. Even a tire changer from the Arca series uh, knew who I was. That, that was so crazy. He just came up to me. He's like, you do TikToks. I was like, what? You're fo you're about to go for a race and you just look at me and like, hey, I know you. That just... Just an unbelievable time. Thank you guys so much. I, I can't say thank you enough to you guys. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at TylerV33 if you want to ever talk during the race. Um, you can also follow me on TikTok at VanillaWafers44 where I try to post daily videos, all NASCAR related, always lots of fun. And then on YouTube at VanillaWafers, I've kind of hit a little bit of a block there trying to make a new video. Just uh, been putting it on hold. But I'll try to do one here by the end of October. Maybe do a spoopy one. Maybe I should do a spooky video. That'd be a lot of fun. NASCAR-related spookiness. I, I think people would enjoy that. So, again, that's at Vanilla Wafers at YouTube. But the most important thing, guys, is thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been... The Field Filler Podcast.